Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to Talk Bookish to Me, the podcast where readers gather to talk about books, share recommendations, and chase that five-star feeling. I'm your host, Gwen, and today I'm joined by Nikki from Nikki Read That, and we're going to discuss a topic I'm pretty sure is going to hit close to home for a lot of readers. Does height affect your reading experience? Hi everyone, I'm Nikki. I have a YouTube channel like Gwen mentioned called Nikki Read That and an Instagram with the same name. I read all genres and try to focus on backlist titles to reignite some buzz surrounding older books. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Gwen. I also wanted to take a quick moment to mention the Brie brand and Patreon. In case you didn't notice, maybe this is your first time tuning in, Talk Bookish to Me had a refresh and I am delighted with the results. The new podcast art was designed by Emma McGoldrick from ESM Creative Studios. I will have her website linked in case you're looking to have something beautiful created your Yourself. And of course, I want to shout out all of my night owls for their enthusiasm and support. Join my Patreon for $5 a month and you get access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content, the Discord channel, voting power, and more. I thought we could start with what's the last book you gave five stars to? All right. I gave Saving Noah by Lucinda Berry five stars. I read it in a day and it was so incredible and intense. It's about a woman named Adrian and her family. Her son Noah is an A honor roll student, award-winning swimmer, and small-town star who everyone adores. That is, until he confesses to molesting two little girls during swim practice. Adrian is willing to see past his mistakes and be there for him after he's out of the juvenile sexual rehabilitation center he's been in for 18 months. But his father isn't so willing to forgive or forget. The town is also wanting to make sure no one forgets what Noah did to their community. Not even Noah can forget. How far is Adrian willing to go to protect her son? The synopsis on Goodreads reads, quote, Saving Noah challenges everything you think you know about teenage sexual offenders. It will keep you up at night long after you've read the last page, questioning beliefs you once thought were true. End quote. Please, please, please look into the trigger warnings before heading into this one, guys. It's a really, really heavy topic. What book has been on your TBR the longest and why haven't you read it yet? (sighs) Calling me out like that. (laughs) The book that has been on my TBR the longest has got to be Born Standing Up, A Comic's Life by Steve Martin. I haven't read it yet because I am hardly ever in the mood for biographies or memoirs anymore. And when I am, I go for things on my physical TBR and they actually tend to be more true crime anyway. I think you should check out if Steve Martin narrates the audiobook, then maybe you'd be more excited about picking it up. Yeah, that definitely could change that. I do love when authors narrate their books. It definitely brings you in a little bit deeper. It's like an extra level. It truly is. Bumps it up a level. It truly is. (laughs) So the next question is a pick your poison. You can answer one or the other. What's your favorite book of all time or who's your favorite author? So I had a little bit of a difficult time deciding what my favorite book was, but I decided to go with three. (laughs) It's a three-way tie between Little Women by Louisa May Alcott, The Soulmate Equation by Christina Lauren, and All the Ugly and Wonderful Things by Bryn Greenwood. I know what you're thinking, what a mix. But they are the books I can think back on where I felt every single emotion there was. All the ugly and wonderful things made me truly think and had me questioning my beliefs and what I thought was right versus wrong. I have to know the story behind each of those. First of all, I will completely agree about all the ugly and wonderful things. It's a complete moral dilemma vibes for sure. 
but I need to know, when did you read Little Women? I actually read Little Women back in April of 2020. It seemed like a lot longer ago, but 2020 was a definite dumpster fire. So I grew up watching the 1990s version of Little Women with my mom and sisters, and it always had such a special place in my heart. I had always related to Joe in many, many ways. So when I purchased the book many years later, I'd always put it off because it stressed me out to think that I wouldn't love it, and it would ruin my experiences with the movie. Oh, man, was I wrong. I loved this book more than I can even express. Even my Goodreads review is a complete mess. I will say, though, that I read it at a time that was perfect for me because I felt I fully could relate to not only Joe, but a lot of the other characters in the book as well. I didn't see Meg as this obnoxious stick in the mud because I could see now that she was responsible and she was the oldest. It was just a beautiful experience that I'll cherish forever. I'll do a reread of it this year, too, just to relive it all. I tapped the absolute crap out of my copy and highlighted everywhere. There are even a few teardrop blobs wrinkling some pages. Aww, I do hope you reread it and have the same, like, nostalgia experience for it. And what a time to read it. I mean, in the middle of a dumpster fire a year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? yes, I think that's why it stood out for sure. Nice. I'm surprised that The Soulmate Equation is one of your favorites. Not that it's not a good book. I enjoyed it myself, but I've never heard anyone claim it as their favorite. I know. I know it seems like a jump, but I have always loved Christina Lauren. They're on my auto by author list for me. I have been disappointed by some of their backlist, but they've just gotten better and better as they've worked together. I was feeling all of the emotions with this one. This has been out since May of 2021, and I read it on December 1st, which just happened to be my birthday, so it was quite the gift. I love this book for so many reasons. The hate to love trope isn't one that I'm particularly a fan of, and a lot of other books have gotten it wrong for me, but Christina Lauren did it right. The concept was great and intriguing, and when a love interest makes it a priority to be a part of the family and help where they can is always such a soft thing for me to read, and I'm instantly hooked. I read this one in one sitting, and I couldn't put it down. That sounds so cute. It makes me want to reread it's it. It's so good. It is. It's so soft. Ah. All right, Nikki, let's get started. What are you currently reading? I'm currently reading Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Um, it's about the woman who was raped by Brock Turner in 2015. He was actually found sexually assaulting her on the Stanford campus, and she was only identified at the time as Jane Doe. He only got six months of jail time, but she went on to write this memoir detailing the attack, and it included her victim impact statement that the world took by storm. The fact that he got six months when someone saw it actually happening, it wasn't just like the victim was standing up saying it happened. Like there was proof by other people. Mm. It's on my TBR. I'm going to try to read it this year because, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, it's, it's hard to think it's about. It's infuriating, actually. I remember seeing it on the news and everything and I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before, but for the past several years, I've been choosing a book to reread as my first book in a new year. And this year is no different. I'm rereading Cruel Beautiful World by Caroline Levitt. The last time I read it was as an advanced reader copy back in April of 2016. The story follows three women. Lucy, who runs away with an older man to rural Pennsylvania, Charlotte, the older sister she left behind, and Iris, the woman who raised the girls as her own. It's part historical fiction set in like the 1969-1970s. It's part romance and part mystery thriller. 
Obviously, it's been several years since I last read it, so I'm looking forward to refreshing my memory of why I loved it so much. In fact, I was reading it before we started recording today, Nikki, and I got to a part that completely shocked me. Like, it was a major point in the plot, and I cannot believe I did not remember that part. This is exactly why I like to reread books. If you love reading, it's hard not to approach your next read with certain expectations. After all, the goal is to find and read books you're going to enjoy. Does hype? book buzz, or even your own high expectations affect your reading experience or reading choices. How many times have you turned the last page and thought, I wanted to love it more? That's what Nikki and I are here to talk about today. Without question, we agree that hype 100 absolutely affects both of our reading experience. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about maybe if there is a book that you immediately think of when you think about the hype affecting your rating or enjoyment of it. Oh, 100%. The book that I have most recently read where hype definitely affected my overall feelings was They Never Learned by Lane Fargo. I had heard incredible things about this book and the incredible plot twist that will blow my mind. And I was left feeling really cheated. I had read the first chapter during a video of mine where I tried a chapter of six thrillers and paired them with six wine samples. I was the most excited for this one, so when I finally got around to reading it, I was a little underwhelmed, which was really, really disappointing. I ended up rating it three stars, which isn't terrible, but it definitely wasn't the five stars I was shooting for. I remember watching that video. I'm so sad that you didn't love this one more. Don't forget, guys, I'm going to have Nikki's socials linked in the notes of today's show, along with all of the books that we're mentioning. For me, one that immediately comes to mind is In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. I read it back in November and literally heard from everyone how amazing it was, how much I was going to love it. And I did enjoy it for the most part, but I didn't love it. You know, everybody else was loving it. I rated it three stars, which in my opinion is still fantastic for a debut. But I think if I would have like randomly picked it up on my own without a ton of expectations, expectations. I could have loved it more because I wouldn't have expected so much. The beginning was slow and a bit boring and the characters, and there were many, um, were essentially introduced twice, like once in the first 80-ish pages and then later as the story progressed. And the last 30 or so pages in the book were, again, kind of boring, but the 200 other pages, like in the middle, were pretty darn exciting. Um, It was a good blend of like character driven and a plot for a mystery thriller. Other readers who I often get my recommendations from were saying best thriller of the year and things like that. It was pretty nuts. So when I read it and didn't love it like they loved it, yeah, the hype definitely got me. I did a poll on Instagram at TalkBookers Podcast asking if hype affected your reading experience and 96% of you said yes. I asked you to sound off on which books you thought were overhyped and y'all came through. Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens got several votes. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab got several votes. Someone said all three Brown Sister books by Talia Hibbert, which hurts my heart so much. But also those books are really hyped, so I get it. You Deserve Each Other by Sarah Hogle, which makes me nervous because... I recently saw someone reading it in like a reading vlog and it got me really excited to read it and now I'm nervous. (laughs) Not a Happy Family by Sherry LaPena. 
Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, The Guest List by Lucy Foley, which that's a good book, (laughs) y'all. Such a Quiet Place by Megan Miranda, The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. That one also got me with the hype. It wasn't something I was interested in. I picked it up and yeah, it wasn't for me. Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter. The Push by Ashley Aldrain. I'm dying to know what they rated it, even though it was overhyped because that's one of my favorites. And someone else even mentioned In My Dreams, I Hold a Knife by Ashley Winstead. So I felt validated. I was like, yes, I wasn't the only one. So that's always a good feeling. So how do the various ways we discover books affect our reading choices, expectations, and verdicts? And do these change if a book is high profile? Whether you're an avid or casual reader, we all move in different spheres of influence, which compounds the challenge of discoverability in this age of social media, information overload, and limitless choice. It's incredible that when anyone decides to read a specific book, they are choosing it over millions of others and all of the other things they could be doing besides reading that book. We want some reward for the investment of our time and money. Whether we get it comes down to a complex mix of factors, including personal tastes, intuition, peer pressure, and what we've been led to expect. And when a book achieves a high profile due to any combination of commercial success, critical acclaim, hype, or buzz, expectations run high. Too high sometimes. But is book hype all bad though? Well, of course not. When a book is hyped, tons of people read it, which means there are plenty of people to discuss the book with. And if you didn't like it, chances are you won't be the only one. It's also really nice for the author. But if you have mega high expectations for whatever reason, and they're unfulfilled, you can definitely feel cheated. So while it's not all bad, I'd still prefer to curb my expectations as much as possible. I have learned through experience to approach highly buzzed and popular books with caution because high expectations have definitely affected my reading experience. In order to help you navigate these tricky waters, Nikki and I are going to share seven tips to help you beat the hype. Okay, tip number one, know what you like and what you don't. This should be the easiest way for everyone to avoid hyped books because not everyone loves all things. That's why we always say there's a book for every reader and a reader for every book. If there's a new sci-fi book being hyped, but you literally can't stand sci-fi or don't read it at all, it shouldn't matter how much someone sings its praises. You shouldn't buy into the hype and think it's magically going to work for you too. Tip number two, don't read or watch reviews prior to reading the book and forming your own opinion, especially if it's a book you think you're going to enjoy. This might be a bit trickier in theory, but do your best to avoid listening to other people gush or bash a book. Bookmark or save the review and return to it once you've had a chance to read the book and form your own opinions. Tip number three, don't set yourself up for failure. Do you have an autobuy author? Like I said, one of mine is Christina Lauren. You might be setting yourself up for failure. Just because you've loved one, two, or several books by an author doesn't mean their new book or even a book from their backlist is going to elicit those same feelings. Authors write different characters and different plots, and sometimes they dip into and out of different genres. Make sure you're doing just as much research for authors you love and trust as you would when buying a book from an author you've never read from before. This is a really hard one for me because I'm like, 
Riley Sager, author. I mean, luckily I have like enjoyed all of his books, but I still do need to make a conscious effort to check out the authors that I do consider authors and like actually read the synopsis. Is that a book that's written by an author that, you know, I am interested in? I know that Ashley Winstead, she wrote, you know, In My Dreams, A Hold a Knife, and she's coming out with two books in 2022. One is a romance and one is a thriller. So I would expect another thriller from her, but I wasn't expecting her to be publishing two books in one year for starters, and then one to be a romance. So authors do, you know, have the option to write different genres and stuff like that. So I really need to look more into both of those. Am I interested in this romance book? Does this romance book sound like something that I would like? Does this thriller genuinely sound like something I would like? Definitely do your own research, even if it's from an author that you consider an auto buy author. Now, this tip is my favorite tip. Tip number four, don't be afraid to DNF, which stands for did not finish or do not finish. <laughs> I know I say this all the time, but honestly, if you're not enjoying something, why continue? Whose time are you wasting? your own. That's a really good point. But I do have a question for you, Gwen. So how do you know if or when exactly you should DNF a book? Okay, this took me a while to figure out what the perfect formula for me was. I used to struggle with this all the time. I'd be like, I have to read 50 pages or 100 pages, and then I can decide. Now it can be as little as 10 pages. As soon as I'm not enjoying the book, I DNF it. I mean, sometimes I give it one more chapter, but if that chapter doesn't wow me, it's over. <laughs> um, if a published author can't hook me from the beginning, we have issues. I read as entertainment. So if I'm not being entertained, it's no longer serving its purpose. What do you do if you're listening to the radio and a song comes on that you don't like? You switch the channel. Same things with books. I'm switching the channel. And I have heard from a lot of readers that have never DNF'd before that it's just so hard for them to DNF because they did spend their hard earned money on a book. They paid full price. They were excited about it at one time. And now what? They're just going to get rid of it? Think of a way to donate it to libraries or schools or if you have like a book exchange program in your area thrift stores, give it to a friend, swap with a friend. Maybe they have a book that they don't want to read and you want to read that book. Maybe think about swapping. But at the very least, don't feel guilty. What I suggest that you do is mark your page where you stopped and then put a bookmark in or something like that and stick it in like a bin or a bag or a box and put it away somewhere like away from your bookshelf and leave it there. And I promise you, nine times out of 10, when you come back across that bag, box, or bin, wherever you put the books that you temporarily DNF'd, if you don't reach for that book during that time, chances are you're not going to. So just get rid of it. Like free yourself, you know, read the books that you're excited about. Don't slug through all of these like books that you're not enjoying. Life is too short. That's a good point. I have a difficult time DNFing. Definitely do. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you only have so much time to read. And I have a very large selection of books that I need to get to. And I don't have time to potentially put myself into a reading slump by pushing through on a book that I was told by someone who I don't always agree with their bookish opinions to read this book. They loved it and I'm supposed to love it too. So that's a good point. 
So moving on to tip number five, if you're thinking about stepping outside your comfort zone, do some research. This goes back to what we said about auto by authors, whether it's something you think you're going to like or something terribly outside your comfort zone, because we do recommend trying new things and expanding your reading tastes and knowledge. You need to do a bit of research and find out as much as you can about the book. When will it be released? What's it about? Are there any trigger warnings you need to be aware of? One way to do some research is by visiting the author's website or the publisher's website. And of course, those are going to be where the book is hyped, so keep that in mind. Other places to find out information is NetGalley, Goodreads, or the Storygraph, where you might find some early reviews from readers who had the chance to read an advanced reader's copy. Tip number six, wait it out. And this is one that Nikki said that she used to do, but maybe she's gotten not so good at this tip. So this is a reminder to her. Wait it out, Nikki. Consider if it's a book you need right away or if you can hold out until the hype dies down. See if you're still interested in the book three to six months after the book releases. This allows other readers the chance to vet the book for you. Then you have a chance to keep your eyes peeled for all types of reviews, opinions, thoughts, and decide if you're still interested. Unless you're planning on reading it right away, try to wait it out. So you're talking about that brand new Riley Sager book that he announced and I automatically added it to my cart. (laughs) Is that what you're talking about? Pretty much. (laughs) But also, I mean, we may or may may not be reading that for my podcast this year. So maybe people do need to pick it up. (laughs) I think they should because he is definitely an auto buy for me. Oh, my goodness. So tip number seven, stop buying into the hype. Fear of missing out is the number one advantage that publishers and booksellers have on readers. Publishers need to sell books. Hype is going to happen. The playing field is not level. Keep this in mind when adding books to your cart and next time you go book shopping. Hopefully this discussion has been helpful in some way. I know the beginning of the year is the toughest time to fight the temptation of book hype because all of the new releases are being announced and everyone is discussing what books they're the most excited for. Just remember, it's okay to have books you're excited about. Buying into book hype is something else entirely. If it's a book you're already excited about, it doesn't need any hype. So if you're already excited about that Riley Sager book, That's not hype. That's you genuinely already being excited about it. It's the books that other people talk about that you have to be wary of. Like some sci-fi book, and I never read sci-fi, if they're hyping it up and I'm like, ooh, that sounds good. But Gwen, do you really read sci-fi? No, you don't. So ignore that hype. If you hear someone talking about a book, write it down, do some research later to see if it's something you're genuinely interested in. Think of book hype like an action movie trailer. They're showing you all of the best, most action-packed parts to get you into the theater. Thank you to everyone who sounded off on Instagram about hyped books. Thank you to Nikki for joining me today. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at talkbookishpodcast so you don't miss the next chance to sound off. Plus, you can see the new podcast art up close and personal. I also announce book discussions, podcast guests, host fun games, and much more over there. You can also find a link to the Patreon for when you're ready to join. Thank you so much for helping me navigate this topic of book hype, Nikki. What a way to kick off season three. Thank you so much for having me, Gwen. This was seriously a blast.
Let us know what you thought about today's show by sending in your rating and review on Apple Podcasts or simply sharing the episode on social media and tagging us. You can also leave a rating on Spotify. I will be back in two weeks with Danielle, who you might remember from last season, to discuss our top 10 most anticipated releases. No hype, just books we're personally looking forward to. Until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.